0: Welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. My name's David Maltas, and I'm joined today by Kelly O'Donovan. Hello there, Kelly. Hi, Dave. This is our third summer podcast episode, and we're joined yet again by our friend and colleague, Ian Thurgood. Welcome aboard, Ian. Yo,
1: yeah, hello, hello.
0: Last time you were on in we, we started looking at being the best version of you to tackle, study, work and play. And we talked about there being three pillars that you wanted to look at. So this is not about how to study or how to progress in your career. This is about making sure that you are fit and ready to go to tackle, study, work and play. Last time we looked at nutrition and today we're here to look at sleep. So tell me, Ian, why is sleep important to help me study, work and play? Oh, my word, Dave. Why is sleep important? I think the world
1: is a challenging place when you've had a bad night's sleep. It doesn't matter what your job is or what your stresses are in your life. If you've had a bad night's sleep or even worse, a run of bad night sleeps and you're cumulatively over the last week or so really feeling tired, you are very much in a bad starting position to take on whatever the world throws at you. So I think it just encompasses or is relevant for anybody, whether you're looking after kids at home, whether you're trying to get a big promotion at work, whether you're studying for that final exam. If you are running on empty because your sleep is bad, then it's something that is so fundamental that fixing that one thing can actually magically help you in in many walks. So this is very much geared to those people who are having problem with their sleep if you sleep lovely and wake up each morning feeling fresh as a daisy you know you're getting enough sleep for you whether that's enough sleep for you is 7 hours 8 hours different people have different requirements but you know if you're tired if you feel like actually my sleep's pretty good crack on carry on doing what you're doing but if you're someone who's sitting there thinking I definitely would say I don't have great sleep. I'm sometimes waking up maybe quite early at three or four o'clock in the morning, my mind's buzzing and I can't go back to sleep. Or maybe I go and I lie down in my bed and I say, right, I want to sleep and I'm awake for two hours, then maybe some of these things might help.
2: Mm. And what are some of those signs then that maybe the quality or the type of sleep that we're getting the length of sleep isn't right for us so if I think about me the signs that I see is I will be snappy I'll be much more short-tempered with either <laughs> lucky Dave <laughs> or maybe a colleague or my children I just notice I'll be a little bit my, my fuse is shorter I think mm. for me um And I actually will feel like I you know so some days where I actually will struggle to stay awake and I grab chocolate, but definitely a sign if I'm not grabbing the chocolate will be I'm quite short tempered. Are there any other kind of signs I can look out for? Yeah. Is, I'd is- say my
1: my number one sign is going sort of linking back to the other episode we've done about nutrition is. If I'm reaching for that really unhealthy, chocolatey, biscuity, ice cream, whatever it is in that evening or even worse during the daytime, like at lunchtime, Mm -hmm. I then know, hang on, maybe I'm a bit tired. And actually it's the tiredness that's making me call out for that kind of sugary, fatty foods. So for me, that's my real measure is how healthy am I eating? Am I really craving those unhealthy foods? It might be I'm a bit overworked and a bit sort of
0: too tired. OK, so Ian, can I just ask something, because this is something that always kind of creates a little bit of, shall we say, conflict in my house. And um, when I wake up, whatever time it is, <laughs> okay, it could be three o'clock in the morning that I'm awake suddenly. It could be five o'clock in the morning. It's always before seven o'clock, regardless of what time I go to bed. I wake up and I cannot get back to sleep. That's me done. So if it's three in the morning, I will be like awake, eyes open, in bed, not being able to get back to sleep. I'll inevitably get up and go and do something. Whereas my son will have five times as much sleep as I have. And every morning I will not be able to drag him out of bed because he doesn't want to get out of bed and he's moody and he's grumpy and he just can't move
2: oh now, dave i can answer that one who's that
0: had dude? the good sleep and the bad no, sleep
2: I, I can answer that one that you're talking about That doesn't get out of bed again linked i think and i'll we'll get ian's opinion on this um, is linked to nutrition that person who's not getting out of bed i have never seen an individual eat so much sugar processed food and fizzy drinks now i'm not a medical professional but that would be surely there's got to be a link there between that nutrition and sleep quality rather mm. than just length
1: it is because it goes back to what something you mentioned on the nutrition episode about your sugar highs and lows and having that ultra processed highly sugary food does make your body go up and down up and down up and down and then it makes having energy when you wake up very very difficult now Dave, I I know, I hear what you're saying about the um waking up and then that's it, I'm awake, there's nothing else I can do. And what's good to hear is that you get up and go and do something as opposed to just lying, lying in the bed. Because what would be really bad is if you just lie in bed, stay in bed and start, I don't know, scrolling on your phone mm-hmm. or watching something on a screen. Because one of the points I was going to cover is about your bed is really for sleeping in. It's not for doing loads of other activities like scrolling through your phone or watching TV. And so definitely if people do wake up and they're three, four o'clock in the morning and they can't get back to sleep, it's good to just come downstairs. Now, there's many different things you could do at that point. You could come downstairs, do some meditation, get like a Headspace app or something like that and just try and get yourself back to sleep. Um, try and do a little bit of yoga or stretching, something very calming. Best thing to do. and And you can try as uh, those kind of things and go back to bed. But If you know you're never going to go back to sleep, the best thing you can do is get to bed in good time. If you're telling me that I always will wake up three, four, five o'clock in the morning, then, okay, well, set your going to bedtime and make that a really super important thing for you to make sure you're at least getting, say, six hours of sleep. It's not that you're going to bed at half 11 after you stayed up watching something on Netflix and then you go to bed at half 11 and you wake up at three and you've had barely three hours sleep.
2: I'll be interesting to hear some of your other tips though, Ian. So being the other person who has to unfortunately sleep in the same room, we don't have things like blackout blinds. And in the summer, I notice if I stir and it is early and it is 4am, it's light in our room and also he's grabbed the phone that's right next to him yeah. and he's scrolling or listening or watching. Something I mean, literally,
1: your timing's excellent there, Kelly. Literally, yesterday, my wife was putting up black eye blinds in the kids' rooms purely because we put them into our bedroom about three months ago. Not even that, no, two months ago. And it was really so much better. The kids aren't sleeping so great right now at this time of year. So we're just trying blackout blinds to see if we can do it because your body has that light coming in and your eyes start going, "Hello, it's daytime, time to wake up." All the hormones to get you awake start kicking in, and that's it—you're you're awake. So yeah, and some of the tips. So I've got a few things to run through. So this is as I said at the beginning: if you are struggling to get good sleep, and we've talked about some of the signs that you might not be getting good sleep then here are some things to definitely try. So firstly, talking about that time before bed, that last two two hours or hour before bed, and what kind of things maybe to avoid or to actually try and do. So things I would suggest about that last couple of hours before bedtime. Number one, ideally don't be eating, particularly like sugary foods at that time of night, because your body takes time to digest that. But you don't want to be going to bed and your body being full either because you're full of the big meal you've just eaten and it feels uncomfortable. Or if your body's processing all of that food and you have a big sugar rush, sometimes people get really hot in the early part of the night if they've had a big meal because their body's just burning a whole load of calories. And so it's just actually quite hot. So that can be a bit unsettling for people. The next one is a controversial one. And this is one where I know loads of people that do this. And they're like, but my sleep is fine. And that's screens. So many people wind down by watching TV or something on their phone just before bedtime. And I would say to people, if you sleep fine and you can get off to sleep fine. Great. It's a great way to chill out and just de-stress a bit from the day. If you're finding you're then going to bed and it's taking you an hour, an hour and a half to drop off to sleep. This is something you might want to think about and think, actually, in the last hour before bed, I won't be doing my screen times. You can set on your phone and your iPads uh, automatic timers that shut it down at a certain time. I've even tried in the past setting one of those uh, timer switches that you have sometimes on your lights, on the sockets and put it on our Wi-Fi. So at nine o'clock, our Wi-Fi gets cut out for the house just to try and stop the addiction of, right, let's have a look at scrolling on social media or watching something. So, you know, there's mechanical ways you can try and stop this if you want to try and stop screen time, because a lot of that blue light does come into your eyes. You can set um, filters on it to try and reduce the blue light, which helps. So that's something as a sort of way step if you wanted to. But do try and cut down on the screen time because it's bright light in your eyes and then suddenly you're telling it to be quiet. The last thing I'd say as a routine before bed is caffeine. Now, I'm a bit unique in this. I'm one of those weird, I just drink water people. I'm not someone that does drink tea or coffee, but I know some people who will have coffee all the way into the evening. And again, my sort of safety netting there is sort of saying, if you sleep fine by still having a coffee at whatever time before bedtime, like at eight o'clock in the evening, okay. But if you're having trouble sleeping, just think, when did I last have coffee? Uh, when's I last have my cup of tea the, the advice the medical advice really is to try and avoid any caffeine after lunchtime if possible but you know not everybody can do that it's about taking little steps so maybe set yourself your own goal of right after 5 p.m no more caffeine no tea no coffee and just see if that makes a positive change in your sleep.
2: I think you notice as well now, don't you, Dave, where you did give up caffeine. And I think it was one night we'd gone I think, out to a restaurant and then you had I think you'd asked for a decaf coffee. And then you were absolutely adamant that it must they must have not given you the right order.
0: Yeah, I I stopped drinking caffeine about two years ago um, because I, I was I was it was Just at the tail end of kind of the COVID pandemic, we've gone into like our third lockdown. And whenever I was on any kind of Zoom meeting or Teams meeting, I just really couldn't focus at all. And it got to the stage where I'd be having a conversation kind of one to one with someone and someone would talk to me. And I would say, I'm sorry, I didn't really pick up anything you were saying there. And I came across as being really quite rude. So it quite worried me. About what was going on so uh, one of the things i thought is i'm drinking a lot of caffeine and at the time caffeine had no impact on my ability to sleep I, I could quite easily make a pot of coffee and drink three mugs of coffee go to sleep and sleep like a baby so it didn't have an impact on me at all but i gave up caffeine because i thought is this something that's causing me to not focus and it i went through the pain of caffeine withdrawal which
1: is painful. Uh,
0: like hell. It it literally felt like someone was trying to drill into my skull all yeah. the time. I've heard, I've so heard people do painful. that. so yeah. painful. Um, but after a week or so, I'd got over that. And I, I thought, well, you know, even if this doesn't work, I won't go back to having caffeine. I'll just drink decaf drinks from that point forwards. And as Kelly said, we were, we're on holiday last summer. We went out to a restaurant. I don't think I did ask for a a caffeine free coffee I just thought I'll have a coffee it's the end of the meal Mm. I quite enjoy a coffee I I remember when I had caffeinated drinks before I could sleep perfectly afterwards and I got back to the hotel and that night I just stared at the ceiling until about three four o'clock in the morning unable to sleep and I only twigged the next day it's probably because I had that coffee and that's the impact that it had on me. So I think that, as you say, if you could drink coffee, tea, have caffeinated drinks, you know, if you could have three Red Bulls and still sleep, okay, then that ca- caffeine isn't having that impact on you, probably because you've got conditioned to be able to operate with caffeine in your system. But if you're not used to it, then yeah, it can really have a massively negative impact on your ability to sleep.
2: You wonder about the quality of the sleep as well. And again, we have to caveat, you know, we're not medical professionals. There are lots of different, there's lots of different research out there around the pros and cons of things like caffeine um, on your body. But you do wonder sometimes as well, even if you're falling asleep, OK, actually internally, what the quality of that sleep is. And like on the nutrition podcast um from last week. It's just thinking about giving it a change, giving it a go, like see if actually that change makes any difference or not. And would you say actually the the impact that lack of caffeine's had on you has made a difference?
0: I don't think it's had that much of an impact. Um, I don't think it's changed the way that I feel, really as I say, I have noticed going back to caffeine on occasion, it has impacted on my sleep. It's something that because it hasn't had a, a negative or positive impact, I don't see the point in going back. Mm. Um, It does restrict, you know, things like the type of coffee that I can have. So, you know, there's generally only two or three decaf blends. If I go to a coffee place, whereas if I go to like a gourmet coffee house, there may be 20 different blends that are available for people that, that have regular caffeinated coffee. Um, the way I have my coffee, I always have ground coffee anyway. So it doesn't taste as artificial as if you are a Nescafe drinker and you have a a, a a decaf coffee. So I'm happy with the way that I am now. I don't know if it's improved. We obviously we've come out of lockdown. I'm doing less Zoom meetings. So I can't really gauge the same way if I was on Zoom you know, seven and a half hours a day. Would I still have those issues with focusing now? I'm not sure. I really hope I don't have to go back to that world where I have every human interaction has to happen through a screen because that would just be depressing. So, yeah, I don't know if it's had a huge impact.
2: It's trying what works for you, isn't it, Ian? And I suppose this is what these tips are about. You know, it's it's giving things a, a go. And I, I remember that uh, when I was going through some particularly stressful times at work where perhaps some regulators were coming in and I knew that I was perhaps a little bit more stressed with my work life than I would normally be. I remember some of your tips that you'd shared around the office in terms of mobile phones and then actually made that real conscious decision that I know I've got particularly stressful stuff going on at the moment at work I need to now make more of an effort to wind down Uh, I remember then putting my phone away outside of the bedroom making sure that any signs of work were nowhere near that bedroom making sure I wasn't drinking or eating too much before going to sleep because I knew that stress was going to be enough of a barrier to get to sleep i didn't want then my routine um impacting that in a negative way as well trying to see what, what what could i do what's within my control to try and get myself in the best position to make sure that i've got that sleep so i can focus and be on the top of my game um, the next day
1: Exactly. And you kind of mentioned a few of the points of the other aspect I was going to give the sort of tips to have in your toolkit to try if you are struggling sleep, which is around your bedroom and keeping it for sleeping. So you mentioned there, Kelly, about mobile phones. The classic I would say to my students will be who has their mobile phone by their bedside table um, on their bedside table every night when they go to sleep. And without fail, everyone says yes. And I say, right, for the last three years, my phone has stayed downstairs, plugged in, charging in the kitchen every night. And they're like, what? How do you live your life? Like, it's quite easy. Nobody really rings me after nine o'clock at night. They don't need to. Um, If they massively if there was some medical drama going on in my life and I knew I might get a call, I might, if I really needed to bring my phone upstairs to the bedroom and just plug it in somewhere in the far corner of my bedroom, put it on loud, and then if someone does ring me, fine. But 99% of the time, nobody rings you at that time of night. If they do, you can message them and say, is it all right if we speak at a different time and get into that routine? Um, because your mobile phone is probably built so much and designed so much to get to your attention. The worst thing you can do when you've just woken up in the middle of the night is to roll over touch the screen <gasps> light pretty things light up you kid yourself you're just checking the time to see what time it is but then there's that little red dot on like a whatsapp or on one of the social media things saying, oh that wasn't there when i went to bed let's just have a little look what that is and instantly you're in and they spend millions designing phones to keep you looking at them so when you are trying to sleep you do not want that anywhere near you. So if we keep our, I keep um, my one downstairs in the kitchen plugged in and it doesn't come upstairs, so I can't look at it until I go downstairs at sort of half six the next morning. So keeping my bedroom just for sleeping is super, super important. Now, that really is difficult for two things. One, during covid and two, because loads of people don't have the luxury we do of living in a family-sized house where everyone's got their room. So if you're living at home with your parents and your bedroom is your one room, that's really challenging to keep your bed just for sleeping and not sit there with your laptop on your bed working. You remember, I remember during lockdown, seeing, uh doing one of the sessions where um someone logged into the, class i was doing and they put their camera on i was like all right you're blatantly still in your pajamas just sat in your bed with your laptop for this lesson aren't you at 10 o'clock in the morning and they're like yeah i've got nowhere else to go that's my life is i see I, i sleep in my bed i eat in my bed I work in my bed. I am like, how's your sleep? It's like, it's rubbish. It's like, yes, because your bed is associated with your day to day work. Your bed is not associated just with sleep. So even if you are in that situation where your bedroom is your one room in the house, see if you can get a really small little table or something just off to one side. So when you're working, you're not sat in your bed. Don't have that TV. So you sit watching TV in your bed. Try and keep it that your body associates just sliding into those covers putting your head down on the pillow, right? It's sleepy time now. Let's go to sleep. We're not about to start looking at loads of stuff on screens. So definitely keeping your mobile phone away, only using your bedroom for sleeping um, particularly your bed just for sleeping and trying to not have a tv and they're like I, we haven't had a tv in our bedroom for years and years and years and like we don't have any tvs in our kids bedrooms just because we know those things are just so addictive to when you're trying to go to sleep you're going to watch tv you do it in the lounge because you're not trying to sleep in the lounge so it's those kind of tips
0: that you might want to look at your bed situation and see if there's anything to change Definitely something that I'm guilty of is is using our our bedroom as an extension of the lounge, Um, which is is quite tough because I sometimes uh, uh, I like to think and it doesn't always work out this way. But I like to think that the bedroom, my bedroom in my house is my kind of like solace from the rest of the house. It's almost like this is the area that the children shouldn't invade and fill with toys and be watching crazy things on YouTube, on the TV. It's the area that I can go to, close the door on the rest of the house and be able to enjoy things that I enjoy. So I can watch that Netflix series that I want to watch, not someone playing ridiculous games on YouTube, which the kids are broadcasting downstairs. So I find it really tough to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something where just little steps. I often am reminded of uh, one of the models we teach in one of the exams, about uh Lewin's force field analysis where when you want to make a change, there's loads of positive reasons to make you work towards that change. But really, the things you need to deal with are those restrictive things, those forces stopping the change. So there you say, Dave, I've got nowhere else in my house to hide to be like without kids' toys and without kids' stuff. So what you need to deal with is okay, what's stopping you from having that? Is there a room in the house where there's kids' toys in there, but They hardly ever actually in there with the toys. It's just that the toys are there and haven't been tidied away. And so can you change the rules of the house? So actually that one room just there is a no toy zone. And then suddenly I've taken away the thing that means, well, I have to go to my room because I've got nowhere else to go. Can you chisel out a small part of the house where you're like, actually, this is a kid free zone and I can do that bit there.
0: I don't think there's anywhere outside of my bedroom that the kids haven't touched and, If I'm honest about my bedroom, I think it's still got remnants of kids doing stuff. Um, So it is tough when you've got, for me, three children in a house. I don't think we've got a house big enough to be able to say, oh, this is the adult wing. Um,
2: Then there's any house that exists out there big enough, Dave, unfortunately. Camping in the garden, there you go, that'll probably be your your option. Ian, I wonder what your sort of thoughts are on the impact of stress Mm. and what that has on, on sleep.
1: Um It massively does. I think it's both you've either can't go to sleep because your mind's buzzing and you can't wind down or you wake up at 3am like Dave described and being your head straight on it. So the two things you've got there, if you're finding you're getting into bed and it's still 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock and you start, I'm still wide awake, then you start stressing that you aren't sleeping and you're going to be more tired. So it compounds the stress. There's various tips out there that people have tried, maybe journaling. So writing down before you come up to bed what it is that you're either going to do the next day or a few of your worries about things. The thing I would say about that, though, is be careful. I've known people who just before bed, they're like, I know what I'll do. I'll write down all my worries on a piece of paper immediately before I go to bed. And because I've written them down, I won't think about them. Then they go to bed and all of those worries are completely fresh in their mind because they've just written about them. So maybe this is something to try and do earlier on in the evening. Just take five minutes for yourself, get a piece of paper and think, right, what is making my head go wild at the minute? Jot those down and think, what am I going to do about them tomorrow? I can deal about this. I'm going to phone this person then. okay, I've got it all. And then. As you're getting up towards bedtime, as soon as any of these worries flag up, you're like, no, 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 I've dealt with that. I don't even have to start thinking about it. I've written it down and you can't put it to bed. So that's one tip you could have if you're struggling to drop off to sleep. It's very tricky if you're someone that wakes up at that three or four o'clock in the morning and your head is buzzing because in my experience you can try different things such as getting up and doing some yoga as i said or coming downstairs and trying a bit of mindfulness and trying to sort of take away your mind from where it is um it's it's probably not advisable to stay lying in your bed for the next 2 hours because it refers back to that point i made earlier about Your bed is really there for sleeping. And if you're lying there wide awake, your body associates lying in in bed with being wide awake. So it's hard to, other than reducing the stresses in your life, there's a few tips around the sleep aspect of stress and the impact on it.
2: Mm. I suppose it's also recognizing, isn't it, those early signs that perhaps your stress levels aren't under control and Mm. then looking at the self help that you can do. And obviously, then seeking professional advice if actually It's starting to get a bit out of
1: control. Exactly. And you mentioned earlier, what are the signs that you've got bad sleep? Well, what are the signs that you're stressed is you have bad sleep. So you can look at it in that way round. And as you say, that might be, okay, if I'm trying to fix my sleep, I'm actually dealing with a symptom,
2: Mm. I'm dealing
1: with the cause, and you might have a big overarching cause that you need to go and get help with. Um, whereas I know some people who think like, I don't know why I can't sleep. I seem like I'm not mega stressed. It's just I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I can't go to sleep or I find I go to bed and I just can't drop off. And for those kind of people, these kind of tips might be the way to go.
2: Yeah. No, thanks for that. I so say definitely very useful. Some of those tips I've used in the past. What about routine? Do you think that has an impact at all?
1: Yeah. It's a great point about particularly wake up and going to bed times. I think. We do it so much. We try so hard with our kids to get them to bed at a similar time and wake them up at the right time. And we notice it when we go on holiday and the routines go out the window and suddenly they're much more craggy and it's just much harder dealing with them. And yet we ourselves are like, oh how what's our regular bedtime is that regular or is it some nights when I'm a bit whacked I go to bed at half nine ten but other nights if there's something really good I won't go to bed till midnight and what's your wake-up time is it that sometimes you'll just wake up and whenever you feel like it or is it every day you set an alarm no matter what time you wake up and generally most people find having a routine is better so having a bit of a cut off whatever it is maybe at 10 o'clock and thinking right, is there a really, really good reason why I'm not in bed now by 10? And if so, can that thing just, can it just wait till tomorrow and try and keep that? And likewise, if you can do something about, you know, maybe start a new habit about doing some morning stretching or just a five minute yoga or five minute Pilates video and just saying, okay, I'll set myself the goal that every day I will wake up at six half six whatever the time is and i'll do that five minutes of me time that can help you set the routine of what you do in the morning first thing
2: one of the things that I've found, and I think I've listened to some other podcasts on, is actually in the morning, getting natural light, mm. setting your body up in the right, in the right rhythm, if you like. So it understands the start of the day and winding down to the end of the day. Again, I think with many things, there's probably lots of different factors. So it's the fact that I've got the routine, I'm getting the natural light. That natural light is coming from an activity that I'm doing. So I'm moving, you know. Mm trying to keep my stress levels under control, trying to eat well, you know, it's trying to get all those balances and balance come to come together. Exactly.
1: And, and, you know, you speak to any doctor, there's no magic bullet to any ailments. It's about trying a different range of things and tweaking this here and starting doing this and stopping doing this. And you just find what works best for you and your body and your situation. So all of those tips are the kind of things that hopefully some will work, some might, find no impact but just trying them out until you get to the right
0: area Ian, i've got one last question yeah go for it dave i'm about to go on holiday and listeners are going to be listening to this probably after i've come back from holiday so i may not be able to take on board any advice but what i often hear people say particularly when they go to holiday is oh i'm going to catch up on some sleep So I know I haven't been sleeping properly for the past few weeks. When I go on holiday, I'm going to catch up on some sleep. And that sometimes means closing those blackout blinds and sleeping until I wake up, which sometimes means I'm going to sleep till 11 o'clock. Now, I always think that you're kind of wasting your holiday a little bit there. So I'm going to set my alarm and get up at what I consider to be a reasonable time. So is there any kind of logic behind catching up on sleep. Can you do that? Can you say, right, I underslept by two hours every night for the last fortnight, so I'm going to catch up by sleeping for two extra hours every night for the next fortnight, and then I'll be about even, or does it not work like that?
1: If I think back to a time that I often refer to as BC, before children, that option of the luxury of having that lie-in was open to me, and I can remember working in a stressful job, having a week up towards a deadline where I didn't have much things and it would get to the Saturday and I would sleep in till like 11 o'clock. And I I I, I thought that used to work for me. Um, I think what I then realised was a couple of days afterwards, I didn't feel magically like that had topped me up enough. I think it was necessary because I was so sleep deprived in that week leading up to it that my body just needed to catch up on some. But I was in the fortunate position. I had no children. I had nothing to get up and do on that Saturday. So I could just stay in bed till 11. The danger I would look at now and why I don't ever really get to doing the lie in is firstly, I'll take this example as a weekend just gone. Me and my friend went away on a biking weekend. It's the first time I've been away for the weekend without the kids. And we didn't have to set off at any time in the morning. But what happened? Well, pretty much bang on 5.45, the same time I normally wake up anyway, even though I'd gone to bed quite late because we'd been up chatting the night before. And I was like, I could lie in because of the routines that I built up. I was just awake. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could lie in because I'd built into a routine. So don't have an expectation that you're magically going to create the set of circumstances that you won't get disturbed and you can lie in. And that you then suddenly will lie in. I think if you've actually done the good work of getting a good sleep routine, of regular going to bed and regular going up, getting up, it's quite hard to then force yourself to have a line. So if you can do it, great. But I'd warn against it being relied upon.
2: I think it's also that point you made earlier, Ian, about the symptoms. And actually, if you're in a constant position where you are exhausted at the weekend, I remember just certain times during my life where I remember going to the GP about it actually, because I was really struggling that on a day that I wasn't working, I couldn't keep my eyes open past two o'clock. And actually finding out, A, is there an underlying medical reason as to why that is the case? And actually, they did, they did come out to be a medical reason, which I'm now treated for um it turns out i had really really low vitamin b12 so i now i'm constantly on those injections and i find actually if i forget an injection that does have i can i then start feeling those symptoms um or be there are other factors in your life like actually are your stress levels too bad are you not eating right etc so I, I think for me if it gets to the point where i'm feeling that i really need a, a regular afternoon nap or a really big lie-in actually what what's that telling me about what's going on in, in my body and my life?
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that, Kelly. And thanks once again, Ian, for all of your expert input today thanks very much to all the listeners so if you are on holiday and you're listening to this maybe as you're on your sun lounger looking over the sea thanks so much for taking the time to download thank you for listening please 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 share the podcast with anyone that you think may be interested whether they're students of accountancy or whether you just think this would be something that would really help them we're going to be back in another week's time with another Christmas special with another Christmas special with another summer special until then stay safe rest up and we'll see you to talk about the third pillar in Ian's well-being triangle.